Hey guys, uh, welcome to episode six of Uncommonly Common Conversations. Uh, tonight's episode is called Gathering the Magic, in which a bunch of people that have never played Magic the Gathering are going to talk to someone that has played Magic the Gathering in the hope that we understand what Magic the Gathering actually is by the end of it. So that's uh, hopefully Sam is going to show us some magic to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, guys. Um, as always, we, uh, we might just you know, start introducing ourselves and we'll go left to right from the top. So, uh, Sam, you're first up. Do you want to say hi? Hi. Awesome, Sam. And uh, who are you exactly? Um, I'm Sam. I'm the expert Magic the Gathering guy for tonight's episode. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to know, Reese? What else do I say? I didn't practice this beforehand. Um, classic nerd, I guess. Couldn't tell. Um, yeah, um, yeah, gaming, you know, love Star Wars since I was a kid. Um, professional wrestling, you can see behind. Um, yeah, just classic, really. That's about it. Awesome. So I tried, I think I'm the funniest person in the world, but you know, it's we'll find out this episode, I guess. I'm glad we're giving you a stage to test that theory. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm finally here. I've missed five episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, but it finally have made my glorious debut yep. for the but, podcast. So but you know what, uh, unlike some other people that we won't name, um, at, at least mm. you've been very apologetic about missing all of those episodes. So I really appreciate that. Oh, it is what it is. Affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm bastards. the first episode I'm on where we throw shade at people for not showing up or not being apologetic. So, um, yeah, it could be worse. Well, when we when we turn this into like the next Joe Rogan experience and people are begging to get on the show, we'll remember those who didn't turn. I know, right? Again. Yeah. Well, buddy, mm-hmm. now I've got to listen to the podcast. If I'm not on next week, I've got to hear if your buddy throw and shade at me if I'm on or not. So no, 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 it's all good, man. Oh, no, that's a good one. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, uh, Paul. Do you want to say hi? Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Paul. I am into finance of sorts. Um, yeah, geez, I don't know. I. Uh, do like sports, I guess. That's my main thing. Sports, music, politics, history. Um, also, uh, I would just like to say um, they they have versed the top six teams right now in the league, right? So, like, that's, like, easily, like, the hardest draw that they've got. So, um, yeah, like, all things considered, uh, I don't think they're as good as people think that they are. Like, you know, I still think that, that, that for them, like, for them, there's, like, a whole bunch of problems. Um, in that game that happened against the Lions, I've got like Redman. He seemed to be doing like, yeah, like in that game stuff. He did like all that work and stuff. And I thought like the key players like they sort of didn't put in a whole lot. So yeah, so yeah, like for that and stuff. Like there's like some games where they certainly do. Yeah, yeah, like, for and stuff like they seem to go okay, I guess. You know, but um, or like against Melbourne when they're like brilliant the whole game. Yeah, 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 sure, that's right. So, um, yeah, shit, but, uh, yeah, shit, they've got the Tigers uh, this week who have been looking bad, but they played okay against the Cats, but I don't know if that was, like, a one-off or something. So, So this is the football episode, guys, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, Matt, do you want to say hi? Hey, boys, I'm Matt, uh, automotive, uh, I guess, automotive guy, uh, currently... Smashing lots of Zelda, uh, Tears of the Kingdom. That's been my life for the last three days. Um, I'm probably at this point, I think almost 24 or 25 hours into the game, which is probably not enough for what I should be doing. Um, but yeah, been re- really, really smashing that out. Um, should be doing schoolwork uh, for uh, for my job, but 
um, have chosen to play Zelda. So, yeah. And Reese is on, the, on, on board with that, hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I, too, yeah. I bought my, my first Zelda game last night since Ocarina of Time. Um, and so I was, I couldn't sleep. And so I was like looking at Amazon, which is really stupid. And then they had a, a discount and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's, let's try it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm going to finish Jedi Survivor first and then I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, um, then move across to Zelda. Yes. Yeah. So that would be like a, a huge gap stuff, like a 26 year gap between those two games. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for making, uh, thanks for adding how old we are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it is about that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. At least two, yeah. at least two decades. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. 99, 2000, Ocarina of Time came out? From 98? I've, yeah, yeah, I, was, I remember, I remember playing in grade yeah. 4. I remember that was the big thing. And then I remember playing Majora's Mask for a little bit. And then I kind of went off Nintendo after that for, mm. you know, reasons because of Halo, basically. Yeah. But I, I, are you like, are you like, I take it you're liking um, Tears of the Kingdom? It's, it takes off virtually right where... Um right where breath of the wild kind of finishes off it's it's like it's it's a direct sequel um so it plays a bit of the same but there's all there's all new different um uh i i guess powers and stuff that 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 you that you get to you get to kind of teach link and all, all link learns and um again got to save the kingdom again and save princess zelda um as most zelda games are um but it's just the open world and and the stuff that you can do dude it's just it's just unreal um like I, I understand why breath of the wild got game of the year and if this doesn't get game of the year something has to be very good to beat it so um like i, I know this is not the, the zelda episode but this this will this will need a whole kind of podcast to kind of debunk it but it's um six six or six or so years in development and you know it's just you can you can see it, it just it's so it plays so amazingly well um so yeah i i, I can't wait to finish the podcast and get back into it <laughs> so yeah i mean obviously we'll, we'll we'll probably do a whole episode on zelda and nintendo because that's that's an interesting conversation but it is i do find it kind of like bizarre and also fascinating that nintendo is basically saying like self-contained empire i mean that they don't have like third-party games that are released on the platform that anyone really cares about, but they seem to have this like ridiculous stable of like first-party mm. properties that yeah. just are A plus games time after time, and more importantly, yeah. they're A plus games on hardware that you know arguably is 10, 15 years old compared to sort of like what the cutting-edge equivalent would be now. Um, you know, like I was like, oh, I heard some comment that you know the chances of um, Nintendo putting something out in 4K is actually plausible, but adding HDR to that would be a bridge too far. So, <laughs> yeah, I've just uh, it, it is kind yeah. of it's kind of bewildering that something like the Switch is actually able to play these types of games because of what I think it's got the equivalent of like what an iPad Air in power from like 2014 or something, 2013 uh, or 2014. I think- I think the graphics were based on the NVIDIA 700 series. So the 700 um, series. That was... Yeah, so that, that was a long time ago. I that... might be wrong about that. Well, no, actually, that might have been like the Wii U, actually. Um, well, the Switch and the Wii U but, uh... are almost comparable in power. And um, the, Wii, yeah. the, the Wii U is effectively a, a, a more powerful 360 and PS3. Yeah. yeah. Actually... Actually, yeah, no, it was based on the Maxwell, uh, which which I think might have been the Seven Series, wasn't it? Hold on, I'll just check. Yes, yes, it actually was. It actually was. Yeah, so yeah, the Seven Hundred Series, which came out back in what two thousand thirteen or something. 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah, shit, that's that's quite a while back. Well, to, like, to put it in context, when the GameCube came out, like, it was, it had dedicated ATI graphics, it, it was a, it was a, actually, it was a bit of a beast of a console, it didn't sell, and the reason why it didn't sell was because they went for the mini discs instead of the full-size discs, so, like, you know, people couldn't, you know, steal their, steal their work and, and, and stuff, and arguably, from all accounts, it was the more powerful console than the PS2 and, um, and the ex original Xbox, so I think Nintendo were kind of just like, um, you know, <laughs> screw it, we're going to just, just do stuff for us and we, we're not going to play this power war with, with anybody um, with anybody else because, quite frankly, we, we do what we do and we do it well. Um, and I think, uh, I think the, like the Zelda games, like if you're putting it on a, on a really good TV, they play, they play well and they look beautiful. Um, and, and they work with what they've got and I'm happy with that. You know, you know like oh, I'm... I'm I understand that it's not as powerful as like an Xbox or a sorry a, a current Xbox, but um, you know it still plays things really really well. So I'm you know I, I'm I'm okay for what it has. Look, I'd love to have it a more powerful more powerful console, but if you're to get to, to get that, you're paying a lot more money, and and I guess where the Switch is kind of you know its ability to be handheld, take it anywhere, and just dock it and play on the screen, you know, for something that that thin, you know, to have the, the power it does, I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, a real testament to it. But it's also kind of bizarre Special. that Nintendo has never gone like the third-party PC route either. I mean, like I know PlayStation has only mm. done it recently in response to mm. Xbox, basically. But you know, Nintendo just seems to have absolutely no care about you know let's mm. let's just put this game 4K 120 FPS on PC and charge 110 dollars for it on Steam, and mm. people would buy it. Yeah, well, I think I think for that, like, um, so for Nintendo, they're very much a company that's based inside, like, Japan, and they don't care that much about the West as most companies would. Um, and, and yeah, like, on top of that, like, I think that there was always, like, a breakdown. So back in 2017, 18, I think with the Wii U, there was sort of, like, this, like, news that happened, and then they sort of, like, rolled it back, where I think EA and Ubisoft said that they were going to pull out and they weren't going to make any games for that console i i yeah think that might have been like the wii u or something and um and then for that and stuff like they sort of roll back that statement saying no like they actually are going to make um yeah like for that console like they will make games for it but like they're not going to like try and like yeah like for and stuff like they're not going to put as much um time into them as they would or or like for and stuff like they sort of like this like weird like sort of press release that they brought out and they they had like had like that weird like sort of corporate speak that they have to do now i guess but they basically said that um, yeah, so for that, like, they actually don't care about it, I guess, you know, because as far as that, like, like for it and stuff, like, they're sort of also, like, a big thing where they make their console and they do make the games as well. So they also see that, sure, it's our platform, but we also have games that we want to sell as well. And if we allow more games onto the platform, then people might not play them as much, you know. So yeah. so there's something of that mentality. And then, and then, and then of course, you've got, like, the PC gaming route. Um, uh, I'm not exactly sure about PC gaming in Japan. I know 10 years ago it wasn't that popular at all. I don't think it's grown that much I, I i've i've not like seen much about it but yeah i don't i don't think people actually care about pc game that much in japan i mean i mean sam you, you obviously like you sell gaming stuff at jb like how how's nintendo received there probably fine i mean we definitely had a more like mature oh, yeah 
middle-aged people coming and buying Zelda, but I mean, there's sort of that thing from being a kid to there's probably not as many children being like, hey, mum, dad, I want to play Zelda. And, you know, but you thought a lot of it. It's probably split 50-50 of, of, you know, parents buying it for kids or people our age buying it to, you know, play the new Pokemon game or something, or, you know, the new Zelda game and stuff like that. You know, there was, they do a console for pretty much every new Pokemon game that comes out. They did one for the Zelda with, you know, decals on it, whatever. So it's it gets received well, but it's not, you know, compared to, like, the launches of PS5 and Xbox Series X. Yeah, it's, there's not, not as that much of a demand. I mean, through, like, pre-COVID, early 2020, we sold, like, out of Switches. You couldn't get some. Like, it was just insane. Um, but yeah, generally any game releases aren't that big on it. Like Zelda, for this year anyway, Zelda probably hasn't been as popular as what Pokemon was, like on launch day. Um, but arguably Zelda's probably not, doesn't have the same audience as what Pokemon does where kids will, you know, want to play Pokemon regardless. No, it's what um, a 30-year-old man uh, playing Yeah, Zelda. exactly. And there's no wrong with that. Um, but I think as well, like a game that... You know, if I'm the average gamer and I might play, like, you know, I've got to pre-order F1 2023, I'm probably not as keen to pre-order Zelda because I'm just like, oh, cool, I'll pick it up when I pick it up. Like, it's, yeah, it's as good as sort of you saying that handheld experience is, or, you know, you can dock it, whatever. It's not sort of the same as if you're sitting down to, you know, if I'm going to play Forza with my mate and we can sit there for three hours, you don't sort of really get that experience. I guess the other side of it is, like, I have mates... I go over to his house, we get a group together, and we play Super Smash Bros. for 12 hours straight. Mm, so yeah. you sort of, you don't get that on PlayStation or Xbox. Um, like, sure, you can sit there and play COGS with mates, but it's sort of that, like, couch gaming style that Switch still sort of, yeah, you get to enjoy the Super Smash Bros. that came out however many years ago and, you know, is a remake of a game from, you know, whatever console it wasn't originally. So I think it's it sits right in the middle, really. It's not. It's not bad. It's not terrible. At the moment, Switch is probably my favorite console, and I'll yeah, still playing Pokemon Scarlet on it and Super Smash Bros. But yeah, I'm yeah, I, I just to add to that. Like, um, I personally like play my my Switch more than all my other consoles. Um, and it's, and it's because I got the because I got I play Mario Kart on it with my mates, and I play Super Smash Brothers with my mates, and and you know like a Zelda game comes out this where it's just not a a Call of Duty game where it's like a five-minute campaign and virtually all based for online, uh, online multiplayer. This it's it's a game that's it's made for I think like like in better commas OG OG game is that that love a story that love that love you know to to all the side quests and all the things to do and and I and I think Nintendo get that like you know I I generally think you know everyone says oh you know why would you buy a Switch but I'm like it's a party console every time I have people over we're playing Mario Kart you know, every time we yeah exactly right yeah. yeah. It's, it's the one you bring out at all, at all times, like, like you know, and it's and it and it, it's accessible. It's easy to use. Um, like my, my mom plays my Switch when, when she when she comes over. Yeah. You know, she, so and it's and it's fun. It's great, and I, I generally I generally love it. I think it's for that reason it's my favorite console. I, I, like at at the moment. Yeah, it's easier for a console like that. It's it's easier. Like for Super Smash Bros, I had like no interest. Like in playing fighting games, like I'll play Tekken like every day of the week. But I didn't really have an interest in playing like platform fighting games. Like if I was just going to pick it up, but then playing it with my mates, I'm like, cool, I'll play this. Like there's an incentive because I can go around there 
and you know try and beat my mates and you can fucking brag about it whatever but if i was just going to pick up super smash Bros., it's boring by itself there's no point you get every single character and you're like mm, oh fucking what do i do now like yeah. it's yeah but and that's the switch episode <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely want to do a full one on Nintendo because I think there's probably a, a, a decent conversation in sort of looking at how Nintendo positions itself compared to, say, PlayStation and Xbox. But also, it does have a different appeal when it comes to gaming because I, I think when we were talking earlier about it in one of the group chats, it's you know the Switch for me is more of a toy that plays games. Like it, it's you know because of the way it's built and the quality of how it's built it, it does it does feel like a toy that happens to play games like it's closer to a tamagotchi while you know a something like hey um you know a, a, an xbox series x or a ps5 that that feels like a stylized custom gaming pc with a closed ecosystem so they, 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 they just the products themselves do feel differently and it, it is it is quite impressive though that nintendo is adamant about using out-of-date hardware like you know arguably a decade old hardware and they're like no that's good enough you know zelda yes. 960p oh, at 30 fps um you know well at both 30 fps you know you you've got zelda so be happy <laughs> yeah yeah sorry go on go on i was, was saying pokemon scarlet had the same problem it was Apparently that was almost, a good game. Yeah. Apparently that was almost unplayable on the Switch. Like the frame rate was so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the frame rate's bad. It's, it's basically a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, almost. It it suffers in some spots. It's it suffers less than others, but it's what do you expect on a, a, a game on Switch, a Pokemon game on Switch? We're not, you know, it's not Dark Souls. So yeah. yeah. So I I know going into going into these guys like like. You're right, Reese. Like they are a different console to like a yeah you know, to, to the Series X. Like like my Series X is just it blows me away every time I play it. Like like I'm playing Forza on there, and like like the you know it's just it's amazing. But then when when I you know like I I, I with my Switch I can understand that you know I'm I'm not I'm not playing that like and, and, and it's and especially when you're playing as like like for example Zelda um, or Mario Kart or Super Smash or what freaking Tetris for example. Like, 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 I know that I'm, I'm getting that. I'm, I'm still, I'm gonna get. I know what I'm getting, and and then it works, and and I'm cool with that. Like, like, oh, I'm, I'm not expecting it to be, you know, uh, a, a extremely powerful machine. I understand that, you know, it is, it is old, old hardware, and I, I get that. And the Switch has been out for six or seven years now. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, they're still selling quite well, and you know, I, I think people. Especially, especially like not hard, not inverted commas hardcore gamers prefer a Switch because it's something they can pick up, and put down. You're right, it's a bit of a toy, but um, but it also can take it up to the big guys when when you're getting games of the year like you know, like like Breath of the Wild, like you know like what well, I think this game is a masterpiece. So um, you know it'd be incredible if, like to see that in you know in full you know full 1080p and you know, or, you know 60 fps. It'd be incredible to see that. Um, I hope that it can get to that point, but uh, I, I think just Nintendo work in weird ways in, in the form of, you know, we'll give you something that that, that, that will do, they'll do it, it'll do it well, and, you know, it's not going to be the best, but sure, it'll, it'll work. Um, and y yes, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to that, but at the end of the day, I'm still, I'm still buying, I'm still buying the, the machine and I'm still enjoying it. So, um, yeah, I'll be keen to see what, what they do next. And I mean, I suppose for me with gaming, like I mean, I don't really play my Xbox as as much anymore since I went across to PC. So they're kind of just sitting there collecting dust. And I've, I've got to be honest, I've 
in the last six months, I've played more of my Switch in the lounge room than I have my Xbox um, because all mm. my serious gaming, you know, quotation marks, I'm doing on PC now. But there is something like that is kind of cool about having a Nintendo console in your lounge room because every time we have friends over, it's Mario Kart invariably goes on. Um, yeah. you know, like I, I was having a late night the other night and I was playing um, you know, Mario Odyssey with Mason sitting on my lap. You know, Obviously, he's eight weeks old, so he's too little to understand what's going on, but for a game that was just turn your brain off and jump around the place, you know, that was perfect. Um, so you know, I, I immense amount of respect for what, the, for the, for what that company is doing. It's just... It, it's it's curious how adamant they are about not really playing along with sort of what the accepted standards are for gaming compared to their competitors. It's kind of impressive, but it also underwhelms me a little bit because if if these consoles were a little bit more powerful, you know, like even you know Xbox One, PS4, powerful, I think yeah. you you would get a much higher quality of game. Um, than what we're, we're what we're seeing, considering particularly the talent that they're bringing to it with the tool set that they have. I, I completely agree. I, I think I think they've got I, I think they've got the mindset of we're making quality games like like that are, that are generally great quality, um, and you know that that play fine. Um, I think they're doing that over you know trying to trying to break inverted commas boundaries. Um, I do agree with you, Reese. I think do think it needs to be needs to be more powerful. But I kind of just think that's where that's where they're sitting. They're like, you know what? It, you know, we're giving them quality. We're giving people quality games that it's, that that can they can pump hundreds of hours into, and you know, and be and still be a okay with it. Like Super Mario Odyssey, as you just mentioned, like that is a phenomenal game. Like if you if you if you play that right through, it is. I mean, I played I played hundred percent of that game. It is arguably one of the best games I've ever played. It's just it it blew me away how well that game played I'm, um, I may need your help with it because I'm stuck on a thing where I think either I've missed something or the game's broken and I've got a feeling yeah. I've probably <laughs> missed it so I might get yeah. you, you I, might, I might next time you're over Matt I might get you just have a look at where I'm up to because I can't get out of that bloody water world well I think the other the other really exciting news that's come out in the last 48 hours and like I didn't know I needed this in my life, but now I'm glad that we're doing it. Is that um, as, sorry, Sam? You 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 were unfortunately absent during that that episode. Um, but the the finale, to, yeah. yeah, the finale to the uh, the Fast and Furious franchise is coming out in a couple of weeks, and it's good. It's bittersweet news because obviously the sad part of it is that it is the finale, but the good part of it is is that they're Apparently. turning that finale into a trilogy of films. So we're what gonna have <laughs> So right, we're gonna right, have fast ten yeah. part one, part two, and part three. Just let it fucking die. So I, I don't know what sort of like cinematic gold they're they're cooking up, but apparently it's good enough that two films won't tell that ending because they need three. Fast is in a fucking John Farnham fucking farewell concert. John Farnham, fucking Jimmy Barnes, a farewell concert, and there's another one, and another one. It's the the final farewell, the final final farewell, farewell. Yeah, like he had like four tours where he said like goodbye, John Farnham. I'm pretty sure, like throughout like the shit from 2008. Yeah, John Farnham's fucking not selling enough tickets to be like, yeah, we'll go again. Back by populism, man. So My um. My view on this, and this is my conspiracy theory for for the for, you know, for the final for the final three films, 
is that uh, family is spelled with six words, and they're going to start F and A in the first one. You know, and then for each each of the fa- each of the like each of the three finale pieces, they're going to you know focus on the, on the like the two letters. And yeah, you know, of of those words, what does F mean in family? What does A mean in family? And then they're gonna go, they're gonna go through. So I had to laugh. Of like, it's gonna be maximum family, uh, minimum story, but that's amazing. That's 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 totally fine. That's that's uh, like, it'll be it'll be it should be blowing up, and then I'll be like, cool. Well, <laughs> I, I, just, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I have a I have such a soft spot for those films. Um, but I just love that they are so just ballsy about it that they're like you know what screw it we've done 10 movies and now we're going to do another three to wrap this up because <laughs> we need we need 30 percent of this of the current runtime of this franchise in order to finish this story it's just like fucking avatar or something like that i know we need another one we need another one but the problem is, is that these movies are probably will have made more money collectively than all of James Cameron's previous films. Yeah, <laughs> so, there's going to be maybe, maybe. by the fucking end of it. Well, mm. th- there will be a, there will be at least fourteen in the franchise that we're aware of by the end of it. That's assuming that there isn't a Hobson Shaw sequel, which I'm pretty sure that they're working on one. So there's probably going to be like at least fifteen odd films in this Fast and Furious universe. So that's like Star Trek movie numbers that we're getting up to now. Gosh. I thought, dude, when it got to whatever the last one I saw was, I thought that was too much. Like, I saw Tokyo Drift, and I was like, oh, this is crazy shit. Then this next one, they start robbing banks and shit, and Vinci's just trying to rock, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. But then, like, Han comes back, and I was like, no, oh, no, like, this motherfucker's already dead. I'm like, nah. Uh, oh, so, yeah, that was, that was, that was, a, that was an exciting right. announcement, so I was very heartened to hear about that, so that's, uh... We've got, we've got some guys nice ahead of us. That no one really wanted. Sorry, what? So like, I feel like it's the announcement that no one really wanted. Like they're like, yeah, we're gonna do three more, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. Man, uh, no, Sam, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna no, disagree with you fans, on that one. I was, I was, I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize that they were going to turn the finale into a two part. I like because I, I try to go in these movies as fresh as possible because I want to. Like I don't, I, I stop watching the trailers. That's how like keen I am just to go into these films and just be yeah. wowed by what's going on. So I've been like in radio silence about this movie for quite a while, even though we did a whole podcast on like the franchise up until that point. Um, and so the fact that there was not just one but two, but now three of those films, I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we have like one a year for the next three years. And it just like it oh, just yeah. marks out that end of May on the calendar for the next three years for me. How, how the fuck are we not get that last Star Wars movie, but we can get three more Fast and the Furious movies? Uh, because the Fast and Furious movies are profitable. Just because family, okay? So this Dude, is- Sam, I, I'm all up for the theory, right? Any fucking conspiracy theory, fucking flat Earth, round Earth, <laughs> fucking donut Earth, whatever. I'm with, the, I'm with the conspiracy theory that something fucking happened. When they fired up that large hedron collider or whatever, we split into a different fucking universe. And there's a universe where there's not a thousand Fast and the Furious movies, and there's one that is. And we're in that fucking timeline right now. I'm sorry, I think we're lucky that we're in the right timeline. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Greg. Hey, Reese, we've got to, you and I have got to do that, this, uh, this, what's it called? Um, this marathon we've got, we've got to watch them all let's book that shit in alright all right, guys so we're just going to carve out 30 seconds of this podcast to have a personal chat because I've been 
Matt, what the fuck? Okay, where, are you are you and still are you, you and Steph still coming over on Saturday? Yes. All right, yes, sweet. Do you want to come over earlier on Saturday, and we can at least do Fast and Furious Five? Done. Done. Okay, Done. sweet. All right, I'll I'll run that by my wife to make sure we're all in the clear. But that sounds good. <laughs> no, that's right. Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, I can I can edit that out, but that was. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, 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 that's fine. No, that's fine. Whole part. Yeah, but sure. Like part of that and stuff. Sam. I know, um, like four people, they're huge fans of the Fast sequel. They're, they're actually going to be in the same house. We can just roll up and we can just like start oh. shooting bullets through the fucking house. <laughs> I think, I think that will make the world a better place. What do you say? What do you say? We can be in the front of all recreate like the one scene that I remember from like the first movie. I'm assuming that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to have like a barbecue yeah, right. the driveway or something like that. Yeah. That's what families do. Reese is going to be in a tank top or something. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we're, uh, we're coming up to segment parts. So, Sam, it's, it's, it's time for you to shine. Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So, yeah. what is it? What is it? Um, <laughs> Sean, it's, uh, it's a... <laughs> It's a card game. Okay, let me ask yeah. you. Okay, let me ask you. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. Let, let, okay, let me ask you a personal question, and you, feel free not to answer this if you don't want to. If you don't want to, but um, how much money have you spent on Magic: The Gathering? Um, this year or like? Well, let's use this year, and then we can probably extrapolate. Um. Uh, Um, I would say probably maybe upwards of probably five hundred dollars. Um, okay, okay. I was expecting that to be a worse number, but it is still only May. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, probably around. Yeah, probably around that. It depends. Um, yeah, I'll probably say around maybe four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. Um, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was like, something worse because my my cousin no, was telling no, me that no. he spent. Obviously, Brendan's not here tonight, but he he, he has shown me his ten thousand dollar deck that he has, and that um, mm. I, I I I don't understand that. But I, we'll, we'll get to we'll we'll get to where that that, yeah. that comes from, Sam. Um, because I I have we have ten questions to get through tonight. But before before I start launching into them with Sam, uh, Paul, Matt, do you guys have any idea what the fuck Magic the Gathering is? Because I've I've watched like YouTube um, videos in preparation for this, and I'm still not 100 percent sure. I do know some on. of the rules. I think I think I know some of the rules because I actually did sort of watch a bit on the card game. Yeah. Um, I was actually joined into like a uh, thing where I think like the best players. Um, someone did a video where he like went through like the history and he saw like all like the top players who. Yeah, like for stuff like they actually went into games and stuff, and they tried to like cheat and somehow, and then they got like caught and stuff, and then and then there was a whole like sort of drama and stuff like those like sorts of things that in fields that I don't care too much about if if um yeah like for like just say that something actually does happen in those top games or something like you know and someone cheats in some weird way and stuff like those are the videos that I'm gonna watch but um but but yeah like for like the game like I know um I believe each player has a bunch of life points I think you get twenty per person um there's five types of mana you've got water fire uh the death uh sun and tree i think or whatever and um i know that you can cast spells before and after the combat within your own turn and there's like five things per turn and stuff like i think um 
yeah, like for all that stuff, you got like certain things that you can do in a turn. And I think they call like the five phases, although like you don't have to do five things in a turn, but, but yeah, like I think that there's like some sort of setup for that. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. Matt, have you ever come across it? I have, yeah. I've got plenty of friends that play it. Um, they are obsessed with it. Like, but they, they are like these two, these, like these, these two, these two friends of mine, they, um, they play other card games as well. Like, like they're, they're playing Digimon currently, but, but, but Magic, but Magic the Gathering is, is a game that they thought they talk highly about. They said, cause it's been around for like 30 years or something. Like, it's been around for a long time, right? Like it's, it's. Wow. It's, yeah. It just passed its like 30th anniversary. Yeah. Early this year or like last year around that time, yeah. So it, it's it's a very very well known game. Um, I like they were explaining to me one day. I just I had no idea what the hell was going on. They're like they're like you have to watch it being played for it to make sense. And I'm like that's kind of like how most car games work these days. Um, so I'm all ears. I, I want to see if I can go back to my two friends uh, Jake and Julie if you're listening. Um, and say, I actually know something now, and I can I can tell you things. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 this is going to be a learning experience for me. So the goal by the end of this podcast, Sam, is that I want uh, Paul, Matt, and I to be competent enough that we would be able to sit down and play a game and lose, obviously, but understand why we lost. Yeah. Well, good. they just announced today there is new starter decks coming out for 2023. So. And I have discovered that apparently the, this this company is so profitable that they literally give away free starter packs um, routinely in order to try to get people in the door. So much yeah. like a drug dealer giving away samples on the corner. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, that doesn't happen. All that right. <laughs> um, no, they're sort of most like local game stores... They, pre-COVID anyways, um, they would have like weekends, like every couple of months, like set up by Wizards of the Coast, um, where they would have like other, like some kind of starter deck supply. Like normally there's not, they're not that good. Um, or like welcome packs and stuff like that, where you could just show up to an event. Normally it's free. You can play, yeah, there might be some kind of prize support, um, but just to get people involved. I mean, it works because... I keep buying shit, so you know. All right, so well, well, let's keep let's jump into the questions then. So, what makes yeah? All right, what what makes Magic the Gathering different from other collectible card games? Um, so I've I've played Pokemon Trading Card when I was younger, and that was sort of as close as I ever went to the collectible cards was Pokemon back then. So, like, how is this different from I don't know something like Yu Gi Oh? I think the the main difference for me, anyways, and probably a lot of people. Like I've played, I've played Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, like the Digimon one, um, like Matt mentioned. There was Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. All of those games, like they all revolve around the anime, um, so it's easy to sort of digest content of like, I know who Goku is, and this card has Goku on it. But for Magic, there is that the story that does revolve around in that same universe, you know, or in the multiverse as they call it, of, of different planes as different sets as different sort of, you know, there's been um, like a, a Viking Norse kind of set. There's been a like Greek mythology set. Um, so I think the sort of story side of it and the way that it plays out in cards, it's not, if you want to be able to like digest that content in terms of like stories, whether it's, you know, they make books and comics and that sort of stuff. If you want to digest that, you can. 
and still play the game, or you can just play the game and not know anything and just play cards. Um, the other side of it, I think, is just more the structure. Um, like you said, it's 30 years old. It's pretty much, you know, other than, like, I think Cavemen or something like that, it's, like, the oldest, you know, trading card, TCG, CCG, um, where a lot of those games copy it and try to do different things, but a lot of them don't really sort of copy they try to copy that structure but it's not as good sort of you know mechanical wise in the game that yeah compared to magic i mean that's why magic's been around for 30 years and sort of a lot of other games will stick around for a few years um but even then there's card games that don't revolve around animes um there's one at the moment flesh and blood which is pretty popular um there's a few other like japanese anime inspired but they're not you know, they don't have a TV show to, like, support it and stuff like that. So there's, there is other ones out there, but it's just sort of, you know, it's not as good as the original, I guess. It's like KFC Chicken versus the, you know, knockoff supermarket KFC Chicken. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I don't know, that's probably the worst way to put it, but that's the best thing to think of. So, so uh, when, I was, when I was sort of researching this property, um, the, the origin of Magic the Gathering was very heavily tied to Dungeons & Dragons. Um, in the sense that the the company that ended up doing Magic the Gathering was actually trying to get work with I think it's Wizard no not Wizards of the Coast what's the name of the um the Dungeons and Dragons company uh, anyway whatever sorry apologies I, I shows you how well I researched this is that, um yeah is it games, um, games yeah I think so something like that um, yeah. no no I'll, no wait. I think it's Games Workshops I know yeah, that might be Warhammer that's sorry War, yeah. yeah that's Warhammer sorry. Yeah, that's Warhammer. Um, yeah, D&D, it's... I mean, it's owned by Wizards of the Coast now. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, sorry, apologies. But sorry. I would say it was... Sorry. Yeah, so it was TSR Inc. beforehand, yeah. and then Wizards bought them in 1997. I mean, that's still almost 20-something-odd 20 20 years. Years, years. Anyway, so, yeah. anyway, sorry, point, point yeah. being with, with it, the idea of what they wanted to try to do was they wanted to create a property that... Um, the barrier of entry was more tactile and they wanted something that was, uh, they wanted to try to create something that was um, cheaper to produce because a lot of the sort of the stuff that was happening 20, 30 years ago around Dungeons and Dragons were essentially like um, almost like plastic collectibles that would accompany games. So there was like really fancy dice. So there would be like these little tiny little like die cast characters that, were all tied to specific games and they were very expensive to manufacture and they were expensive to uh, ship and store as well. And obviously the profit margins were really low. And so the idea around, at least from you know some of the stuff I was reading about with, with, this, with this property was that the business value of it was, was that cards were cheap to produce and they were cheap to store and they were cheap to traffic and they have a very long shelf life associated with them. And so... The, the origin of, of sort of uh, Magic the Gathering was heavily tied to sort of, okay, Dungeons and Dragons has been comparatively very successful and it spawned a lot of stuff. So is there sort of a card game equivalent that we can make out of that? And so I suppose the reason why I was sort of asking Sam is that like when you're playing um, Magic the Gathering, are you yourself role-playing as a character in that universe? Because that for me, I've, that's probably where I'm, I'm... Is that what makes it different to say something like, um, I don't know, another card game like Pokemon or something like that, where you're not necessarily... you're you're Obviously, you're playing a Pokemon battler. That's sort of the idea of it. But 
you're not really role playing a character within the universe that you've created. Yeah, sort of the idea in Magic is that the there's beings in the you know Magic the Gathering multiverse called plane talkers, and they can travel from you know plane to plane to plane. Um, and the idea is that you know, you are a planeswalker and that you're casting these spells, you know, which is your deck. Um, but it's one of those things for magic. If you sort of, you know, with color identity of cards, um, you know, if you were so like anything, you can associate yourself with a certain color identity. If that's how you like to play the game and stuff like that, there's probably like less association for like compared to Dungeons and Dragons of like creating a character and having stats and sort of, you know, a persona and stuff like that. Um, but in magic, it's sort of, I can imagine if it was someone who, you know, maybe doesn't like that side of it, of like that role playing is that you just can play magic and you don't have to worry about like, who's my character? What do I have to do here? You know, um, you know, for magic, a lot of it's written on the cards of what it actually does. So it's, you sort of still, especially original Magic the Gathering when it first came out, it was very like Dungeons and Dragons, the, you know, it was dragons with a creature, you know, it was dragons and angels and goblins and this sort of stuff that it was sort of very traditional, um, you know, that style, I'm sure there's a different name for it, but that style of like Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of, you know, knights and princesses, yeah, medieval theme to it. Um, so, yeah, I guess there is that role-playing aspect of it, but it's not as heavy. It's like D&D without playing D&D realistically. Okay. So, Paul, do you have any questions? On... Uh, no, no, no. no. Right, so I'll... Like, I'm just trying to take it all in right now. Yeah. <laughs> right, thanks, Sam. So, we'll move on to the next question then. Um how what are the mechanics of the game so and the rules so if if you had to obviously assuming none of us know what you're talking about or know what the game's talking about how would you explain it to someone that's never really played magic the gathering before so what what are sort of the the high level rules and then how does the game play um, pretty much like on um, as basic as possible yeah you have a deck of cards you draw cards, you play cards, and you see who wins. How many in a deck of cards? So, the for example, most formats will just have a 60-card deck. Um, there is other formats like Commander, um, which we'll circle back to later, that does have a you know, 100-card deck. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, a 60-card deck. Like Paul said, you have your turn. At the start of the turn, you... Draw a card. Um, you will play a land, um, which Paul mentioned before as well. Um, and then you, yeah, you have a main phase, a combat phase, and a second main phase. Um, and in those main phases, you each card has a cost. If you have enough mana, which you get from your lands, you can play that card. You know, unless there's some other like predetermined cost to the card or something like that. Um, and then you pass the turn, the opponent does the same thing, and then it's your turn again. That's as sort of as simple as it gets, just in terms of, you know, rules and turn structure and stuff like that. So how do you win a game? But, uh, so, like Paul said before as well, you both have 20 life each. Um, most formats will have 20 life. Commander has, you start 40 life. Um... 
the easiest way is get an opponent down to zero life. Um, Breaches will have a power and toughness, um, and they will deal damage to a player equal to their power. Um, there is other ways. Uh, you can mill an opponent. Um, and I found out recently that the term mill isn't something that's sort of very common outside of magic. Um, so mill is to take cards from your deck and put them into your graveyard, which is just your, you can't use it anymore pile generally. Um, and until you have, if you have no cards left in your deck and you were to draw a card, you lose the game instead. Um, so that's a strategy where an opponent will mill you out and that's just them making you put cards from your library into the bin until you have no cards left. Um, that's that's sort of the main two. There's you know, a mechanic called Infect um, where it deals Infect damage instead of just regular damage. And if an opponent has 10 Infect counters on them, they lose the game. But that's, that's pretty much the main. There's is some other cards where they might have in their text box you meet a certain criteria, target opponent loses the game if you do something or something like that. But that's less common than sort of just taking damage or something. And is it something that, like, do you do you play for keeps with cards? Or is it one of those sorts of things where... Uh, not, not really. Um, I know Pokemon have some sort of mechanic like that, but not really. Um, not, like, not games of life. I mean, I'm sure you can fucking take your mate's cards if you want. But, um... No, generally, you know, if you're playing tournaments, there'll be prize support, but most you know, times you play a game and it's just not even bragging rights, you're just playing for the fun of it. Like, most games I'll walk away from win or lose, I'm pretty, you know, happy just to be playing the game, really, yeah. And uh, and personally, like, how often do you win? Like, is it is it something that, you know, so, all right, so you have, uh, say you have 60-card deck, you draw, was it seven cards out of that 60 cards that you play with? Um, so is that something that like you stack your deck so every seven cards that you pull are always going to be good or like how do you how do you design it so that when you're playing you're not just dealing with seven crappy cards that are sort of you know plus 10 buff health for you know poker with like Pikachu yeah, so or something inside your deck you'd have I've got some cards here yeah, would you like to um, show us in the audience please. we'll start with that yeah so, in terms of lands cards, there's... Land cards will just matter. Um, we'll get to the other tops later on. But, for example, that is a land... Sorry. That is a land card just there. And that is an island. So, that will produce blue mana. But then there's also non-basic lands. So, that's actually, I should say, that's a basic land. This is a non-basic land. Now, this card, Hinterland Harbour, will tap for green mana and... or Blue matter. Um, so, if you were to play that in a deck that requires green and blue, you would have lands that produce green or blue or both. Um, four cards as well. Most formats will be you can have four of any type of card besides non basic lands in there. So, you can't just have 40 of the same card and 20 lands. Um, and so lands are lands is in L A N D S, like as in NDS. land itself. Yeah, like lands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and what role do they so, play? Are they just buffs? So each turn you can play one land card. Um, 
now they in Magic you have the act of tapping. So if you tap something, if this is flat on the board, you turn it sideways to activate the card, and that will give you one mana. Okay, cool. And so, so that, that will that's that's on the board. So that's an accumulation of mana. So you effectively once you start playing, yes. you lose mana as soon as you start playing because your opponent's drawing it from you. Then when you tap the card, no, so you you use that. No, so the 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 land goes you know on your side of the board. You tap it for mana. That will go into your mana pool. Yeah. At the end of the turn, everything drains from your mana pool. Um, but you would use that. You're not tapping the land unless you're going to use it anyways. So then, when you tap your at the start of your turn, you untap everything as well. So everything from land, which brings you to the next one, creatures. Mm -hmm. So he's a creature just there. Um, so for him to attack, you would again tap him sideways, and that would be at the start of combat to declare him as an attacker. Um, and as well, four creatures. This becomes relevant later on as well. So all creatures will have a name at the top. So he's mirrored, but it is Kin Kinnan Vonda Prodigy. And then in the top corner is his mana cost. So he costs one green and a blue to cast. Um, he will have a creature type. And his creature type is he's a legendary creature. So there's legendary creatures and non-legendary creatures. And he's a human druid. He has an ability. And he's at the bottom there. That is his power and his toughness. So he's a 2-2. Two -two. So he will deal 2 damage and he can only take damage okay so what makes magic gathering exciting then is it you know is it closer to say like poker or you know blackjack where the cards you get to play with are effectively luck of the draw and you kind of have to make the yeah. most out of what you get would that yeah, sort of definitely. but you also have that sort of added bonus that you're kind of stacking the deck anyway so you're not coming. You're coming with the best possible deck you can afford to buy. Yeah. So, like at the moment, the so the main format is called standard, which is just a set of cards from this date to that date that you can play with. Um. So you'd have a standard deck of you know, the math isn't going to be right, but say you had twenty five lands, yeah, you know, in a six card deck, yeah, you know, like twenty five lands, you have twenty creatures and then like fifteen other spells in there um which will be something like these for example this is a sorcery and again it has a cost has a name does a thing but then you have something like an instant because you can cast that at any time and again that has name and a mana cost um so yeah you'd make it deck you know cards similar to that you know you also have artifacts and enchantments Again, they will have a cost, they will do a thing as well. Um, so you don't really stack the deck per se of like cheating, but you would go in with you know, a deck that you think is going to win and perform, but you know, you're not just going to draw 18 land in a row or something like that. Um, obviously, you know, you, you shuffle your deck beforehand, your opponent shuffles for you as well, you cut your deck or whatever. So it's about having a, what they call a mana curve so that you can ideal in like consistency be able to draw lower mana cards while drawing mana but then be able to draw higher mana cards for you later in the game but it's not one-sided that you're just drawing all lands and no creatures all, all creatures and no land so can that happen like can you just draw seven land cards oh, and, yeah. and then you're kind of like screwed for the for that round yeah so the good thing about that is though that magic has what they call a mulligan um 
where if you don't like your hand, you can turf it back into your deck, shuffle, and then redraw six cards. And you just got to refund a card each time. Okay. So you can go from seven to six to five, yeah. So, but it does happen. Um, well, I think when I play Commander games, I play on PC as well. I play Magic Together in Arena. More often than not, I'm finding a hand that I don't really like. Um, I mean, you can hold bad hands, but it's not going to be good. You're probably not going to win. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, you'd rather one less card for a better hand that you might be able to win the game on. Yeah. Yeah. And so what? So what makes the game then? Like you start playing it, is it is it kind of you know is, does it does it become exciting because you can see what your opponent has and you're you're trying to calculate at what point you use each of your cards in order to effectively outrun your component to the finish line? Yeah, it's it's something that like if you can, yeah, you know what the you go in there and. Realistically, you're trying to win. You're trying to do the thing you want to do, while also stopping what your opponent's going to do. And they're trying to do the exact same thing. Um, it's yeah, it's good. It's sort of always that sort of like calculation of what your opponent's going to do. That if you should hold off, you know, because you have a play that can stop your opponent. Um, but are you going to be better off, you know, killing their creature on their turn or? playing something on your turn that might stop them. Um, I think sort of the the exciting part of it is, and I mean the most important part of like, is interactions between decks. Um, in certain formats, you can play decks that are just like super, like, just not fun to play against. Um, you know, there's no interaction between the decks. You can just play cards and your opponent wins. Um, whereas sort of at, well, not necessarily lower power levels, but there's definitely decks that the less powerful they are, the better they can interact. But it's not just full of like the best cards, um, but you know, still has the potential to win and the power to win. But it's sort of the difference if you're sitting there and you're playing. I like, I don't play chess, but I imagine like a game of chess that ends in a minute. It's not going to be sort of as fun or interactive as a game that goes for you know thirty minutes or something like that. So, but I mean, I play games of Magic that oh, go yes yeah, the thing. audience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I've played games that go for a couple of minutes. I've played games that have gone for you know thirty, forty minutes. I've played games that go for over an hour. Like, and it gets boring by that point. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's it's people interacting with other people. You know, playing this game that you know you're trying to stop someone from winning the game. They're trying to stop you. You know, especially if you're playing you know four people that it's four different decks all trying to do something different while stopping the other person. And yeah, I think yeah the interactions probably the most exciting thing about it and sort of thinking, you know, what am I going to draw next? Or like, what am I going to do here? You know, it's actually sort of, it's your problem solving sort of in real time of something that has like no direct die consequences other than like in that game. Mm. Okay. So how has the game evolved over the last 30 odd years then? Um, are you aware of any changes to how the game operates or any rule changes? Yeah, so... I started playing around 2011, 2012, um, and it's changed fucking heaps. Um, generally, like, every new set that comes out, there's going to be some kind of new mechanic. They do this on purpose to keep it fresh, and they, you know, sometimes it's for the better, sometimes it's the worse. Um, but, yeah, there's always something, you know, mechanically-wise that's coming out, 
that's going to be different um, to from each set from something I did like 11 years ago. I mean, the game's completely different. Um, I think so. the biggest thing that's happened is they, a couple of years ago, they announced Universes Beyond. And this is them introducing um, like different IPs into the Magic Gathering world. Um, one of the first ones they did was The Walking Dead, and they did Stranger Things as well, um, where they had like a handful, you know, a subset of cards, a handful of cards with Walking Dead and um, Stranger Things characters on it. But still play as Magic the Gathering cards, but it's just, yeah, that IP. Um, and then most recently, they've done Warhammer 40k decks, um, and there's. Doctor Who and Lord of the Rings coming out soon as well. And, and how, so, yeah, like when I started playing... Sorry, go I was gonna, how, how are the communities responding to those decks? Is that something where it's kind of, you know, fans are thinking um, it's just a bit of a shameless cash grab or is that something that's like... Yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, if it's going to be 49.9 and 50.1% on either side, of people that played Magic from, you know, I mean, before I even I started playing even when I was playing, where it was still this sort of, you know, fantasy card game, and it was, you know, knights and angels, and, you know, when I started playing, it was this almost like HR Geiger-inspired set of, like, these weird, like, robots replacing flesh and stuff. That's still sort of, like, fantasy. So it sort of takes it away where it's, like, that, and then it's, like, cool, I've got, like, Doctor Who in my deck. It's kind of weird. Um, the reception for some of it, them being owned by Hasbro, people are like, oh, this is just a cash grab. You know, they're just being, they're not even like, they're just being shameless about it and just trying to take people's money. But the other side of it is that, you know, if that's someone that, like, I like Magic the Gathering and I like 40K, so that's something that I'm like, cool, I'll buy this regardless. Um, but if it was someone who didn't know what Magic was, but liked 40K and thought, that's cool, I'll give that a crack, then that's good. Um, I don't think, I th yeah. People, people that are complain for most things that Wizards of the Coast do and like Magic the Gathering do, there's people on either side that complain that think that, you know, having sets come out X amount per year isn't a good thing and people say it's a bad thing. So, yeah. It's, um, like I said, it'd be definitely like 49.9% versus that 50.1% that want to play with a fucking hobbit in their deck and those that don't. But... <laughs> It's yeah. like it doesn't really doesn't make it. It's a card that does a thing, and I think the more the merrier. That if you want to play with the Lord of the Rings stuff, play with it. If you want to play with Doctor Who, play. With, you know, if you don't like it, don't don't buy it. You know, it's yeah. You know, you're not going to send Wizards broke if you don't buy it. So you know, who cares really? Just out of curiosity, dude. Like, so theoretically, you could go into any IP essentially, and they could just make a card and be like, okay, you're 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 in this now, and then they can make it work. Oh, yeah, so they do Fortnite cards. Oh, right, okay. Like, okay, yeah. So, yeah, they they do it in a way... Um, so they did... I'm trying to think of one they did recently. So they did, like, a Street Fighter set where they did, um, like, six cards from Street Fighter. And it was, like, Blanca, Ken, Ryu... Um, I can't remember the others. But, so they have something that functions like they would on Street Fighter or whatever. Was that? Yeah, I oh, like probably like that game and stuff like that girl who's got like those giant thighs. It's 
No, it was. Oh, what's the? Thank you, Paul. Is it, it Chung? I, I mean, I wish it was that one. Um, is it, it Chung Lee? Chung Lee, yeah, yeah. She had a card. So, oh, yeah, they do those cards. So, if you like the Street Fighter IP, you could just buy those cards. Um, if not, they eventually reprint those cards under a different name, under a different artwork that's more sort of fantasy, you know, Magic the Gathering based. So you're not sort of you know, people that are, you know, fucking rolling up to Hasbro with pitchforks and fucking <laughs> burning, you know, saying, you know, we don't want Street Fighter that they can get their card and be happy about it. So, but, like, that, that means you could just essentially... I mean, the, the game becomes forfeit because, like, you can just choose whatever the hell you want to do, right? Like, it, it, does, that, does that kind of make it to get to that point? Or? To a certain degree. Um, a lot of the cards like that, they're only legal in certain formats. Um, okay. But so something like in Commander, like, I pulled one of these out as well. So for the Warhammer ones, for a card like that, this is Old One-Eyed. Mm-hmm. who is a legendary creature, and he's a Tyranid, and that's fun, because they're not from Magic the Gathering, but they're here they are. So he's actually, as you can see, he's like, ah. mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's a Tyranid, um, and he's actually a character from the 40k universe and has a whole story. Um, but you could play a game of Magic and have him in your deck, and he does a thing, and if you like that, you can have him, and if not, whatever, it doesn't make a difference, really. So, I can't remember what the question was. So to, to add to Reese's question about like the community, but like, <clears throat> kind of you know reception to that, like so if they were to make like a John Wick card and he was like to dominate everybody and like there was like the best card in the in the thing, would some people be like super pissed at that? Or would they be like, well, that's not fair? Like like if you've got a John Wick card, the, you know, how do, how does this game, how how is that going to be like I, received? They do have um, so for each format they have different um well, panels and groups that would meet whenever you know they need to i guess of um yeah if cards need to be banned um if cards would be reprinted um or even some formats they limit cards where i was saying before most cards you know you can have four on a deck besides non-basic lands in some formats you could have one of those cards or two of those cards depending um, so there's definitely, depending on the format, there's definitely groups that do get together and discuss these things. Um, a few years ago, I mean, even, yeah, there's a set might come out and a card could be banned within the first week of it because of how much sort of like saturation it sees in a certain format that if they look at a tournament and every single deck is running of the same decks or the same cards, there's a good chance that they'll get banned because it's not. It's just too toxic in the environment, really. So, same as if they printed a card that was like super busted, they would just like ban it if, you know, if people make enough noise about it realistically. So, yeah. Okay, so that probably then moves on to my next question then, which is how. So, my, my thing is that there are there are five colors to the game. Um, mm-hmm. How do those colors work and are they factions? So, what's the difference between each color? So, they call it in Wooburg order. Um, so you start with white, and white is sort of, you know, knights and angels. It's life gain. It's sort of the, um, you, know, uh, you know, the good side, I guess. You know, it's, it's, uh, its land is plains, the one that has the sun on it. Um, 
yeah, that's sort of like, you know, rightfully good and stuff like that. And then you have Blue, which is the island. Um, and that's sort of like wizards and um, counter magic and spells and trickery and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With And that, I mean, creature types that sort of have like Leviathans and Shark. No, there was a card. What was that movie? Fucking Shark Tornado or whatever it was. Sharknado. They actually printed a card that was Sharknado, yeah. Sharknado, that's one. There was actually a magic card they made that was Shark Typhoon. Um and was literally a typhoon of sharks, yeah. Um So yeah, that's that's yeah, that was blue. Um then you have black, which is swamps, which is like you know, death, deceit, um, you know, zombies. It's about putting stuff into the graveyard and you know, bringing it back. Um uh, then you have red, which is mountains, which is sort of, um, you know, passion and emotion. It's stuff that's like fire eats, direct damage. Um, red sort of would be like dragons and like shamans and the goblins as well, actually. is probably the main one. Um, and then you have green, which is forest, which is, you know, beasts and sort of big creatures and buffing big creatures and stuff like that. But inside that, you have the, like, two-colour two guilds. Um, so each one, like, colour wheel, it goes around. Um, so each pairing has one. And it's it does vary, but it sort of just puts those two together. Um, so, like, um, like red-white is... It's called Boros, B-O-R-O-S. Um and that's, like, humans, they're knights, but, like, they're sort of, like, heavy-handed. Like, they still are, like, good, but they're, like, strong in numbers. Um, yeah, and... Which is meant to be a mix between the both. Same as, um, the other one, Orshov, which is black-white, and that's sort of, um... It deals with, like, that death, but they're, um... They're sort of, like, it's weird. They're sort of, like, priests and stuff like that. Like, um... They're called, yeah, the Orshoff Syndicate. So they are sort of like that black shadowy we're working, you know, we're vampires, we're in the shadows doing stuff. But then they also sort of have this, like, this good side to them as well. Sort of like the, I guess like the government side of, like, you're going to have to pay fucking taxes or we'll kill you type deal. Um, so, that, yeah, like, that's the main ones. But, yeah, so you have, like, your single colours and then there's your two colours and you have your three colours, four colours, and then there's five colours as well. So and each sort of... Sorry, go on. Uh, and how do, how do they differ when you're playing? Uh, is it like do you do you merge them together as part of your deck, or do you try to pick a single color that you prioritize? Like, what's what's the what's the actual mechanical difference of them in the gameplay? It's like single colors. Like red is red can like win very quickly. You know, it's small creatures, quick creatures, lots of little damage here and there. And we just you know beat you as quickly as possible. Single color like monocolor decks can perform better, um, but they are limited to only having that one color. Um, whereas like two color decks is that you can essentially take the the best of two colors, the best cards from those two colors, and sort of put them together that work. Um, at the moment, sort of for standard, the the more popular deck is a, a black red deck, and it takes the two best cards. It takes the best card from black which is a card called Shieldred, and a red card called Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and the deck runs both of them, and you just win by playing those two cards, essentially. But you still have to do damage and do stuff, 
but in those in that colours, you just get two of the best cards in the game. So you sort of you, you're better off for that reason. But in terms of like drawing lands, you're not always going to draw the right colour. So you can get in a situation where you're like, "Well, I need a red, but I'm not drawing red. I'm stuck here, so I'm just going to play something else for the time being." Mm. So it's it's not necessarily better. You're not necessarily at an advantage, but you do get better cards. Essentially, you have you have a bigger pool of cards to choose from. So can you have multiples of the same card in your deck? You can for standard format. Wait for stand. Most formats you can have four copies of the card, um, except for basic lands. Basic land you can have as many as you want. Um, but yeah, four copies of the card. But there is singleton formats like Commander, um, Oathbreaker, where you can just have one copy of card besides non-basic land. Okay, so that probably moves into my next question then, which is, and you already start touching on it. What are the powerful and the iconic cards? Um, so what are the cards that you know everyone wants to have? So the most iconic um, is a card called Black Lotus, which was from like Alpha, one of the first printed sets, um, which is, I mean, you, most people could probably almost see it and know it and they might not even know where they've seen it before or what it is, but like, you know it's a card, I guess. Um, it's a, it's a zero mana card that gives you three mana. So, so you can play it on turn one and get three mana, which is good. Um, at the moment, it sells for like over $150,000. $150,000? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So is that... that Okay. So that's like house money. Um, is that because so host, they... Host Malone bought one for $800,000. Okay. Cool. All right. Is that because of how that's a crazy pay to win? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this actually like makes me respect those like non fungible token things again. <laughs> um, okay, so just okay. So a, a piece of cardboard's worth eight hundred thousand. That's that's cool. I'm not going to like criticize the value of it. It's but does that value come because of how rare it is in the sense that there's only a small number being printed? Oh, for Black Lotus, um, I mean, at that time, there wasn't a fuck ton printed of, like, there's alpha printings and beta printings, and there's, it's been reprinted, but the reprints aren't worth nearly as much. Um, and they're not very sought after. Maybe to some collectors they are, but generally they're not. Um, but, yeah, it's literally just because the card's, you know, 30 years old, there wasn't that many printed, and it's like, yeah, Black Lives is definitely the most iconic card. But it's a powerful card as well, but it's probably more iconic than it is powerful. Like, the copy post one bought, it's, it's an artist proof, so it's slightly different where, like, the artist actually signed it, which arguably makes it more valuable. But I'm assuming Post Malone's bought it because he's a fan of Magic the Gathering and not just to like... I mean, there's the obvious flex of like, I spent 800000 fucking dollars on a piece of cardboard. But I think he's bought it because he's a fan of the game and not just to be like, oh, cool, I've got that card now, it's going in my deck. Like, it's, yeah. So that's called Black Life Gain, right? Black Lotus? Oh, Black Lotus. Okay, sorry. Black Lotus, yeah. So Black Lotus. Yeah, Black Lotus. Let me. I'll, I'll I'll bring it up. Um, yeah, sure. There's a whole bunch of different amounts. Actually, there's some guy on YouTube. Um, he's actually got a pretty good channel of um, yeah, yeah, full of stuff. Like I think I watched him back in the day because like it was um, 
some guy that I was told to watch for some reason. Um, but yeah, there's a guy on YouTube called Rudy, and uh, I think he's yeah. yeah, yes, yeah, and yeah, and for that, like, I think his whole channel was, um, yeah, like full of stuff that, like, he like sort of thought that he was like buying all these cards and he was like trying to keep them because he sort of thought that through uh, certain years and stuff because they don't print them. Like, you know, like they only get print for a certain time that if you hold on to these cards, then, then full and stuff like they, um, certain cards and stuff like they are, yeah, like for, um, how, how much they actually cost and stuff, their value, like that's like just going to keep on yeah. going up and up and up. And, and full and stuff yeah. like there's some cards and stuff like that, like don't do much because, because like for some reason people don't care, but, um, but, but yeah, full and stuff, he's actually had some cards, you know, where he's bought for 10 bucks, you know, back in 2007 and, now and then and then all of a sudden yeah yeah shit, like now they're probably probably like two three hundred bucks so yeah like just say like yeah, like a few of those it it yeah if one's yeah. off it's like actually yeah. like sort of up a bit from what i started playing and would have like bulk rares that were you know worth a couple bucks if that um some of them now are worth over a hundred dollars um yeah. yeah that i would have just given away you know back in the day or you know sold for five bucks here and there so it does there's sort of a cycle of cards that get reprinted over time. Black Lotus isn't one of them because it is a powerful card. Um, but yeah, a lot of the older cards, you can sit on them, but it's... A lot of it is... You know, there could be cards that came out 10 years ago that's worth a dollar yesterday, but a new card set comes out tomorrow or a new combo, someone discovers something and that card becomes a 30 or $40 card. Yeah. So what um, is... What are some other iconic cards then, man? Um, another one, uh, Ship and Dragon, um, which is that from that same sort of era. Ship and Dragon? Not an overly Ship and Dragon, so it's uh, S-H-I-V-A-N, Dragon. Mm-hmm. And how much is this worth? Um, that's actually a good question. I didn't look that up. I should have... Um... Okay. So yeah, it's back to what I was saying before about like the the Dungeons and Dragon esque theme. Like this is a very Dungeons and Dragon, you know, card. It's literally a dragon that looks like something from the nineties that would be Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, no, probably not a super expensive card, um, but it's just oh, something that's, that's really funny. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's one of these cards that's not. You know, not all the iconic cards are going to be expensive cards. And I think that's sort of like a misconception that sometimes happens in Magic. Like, it's been reprinted a fucking gang of times. Um, but, like, that original artwork, like, old-school art, is just very D&D, so it's just, like, super iconic. Um, but, again, like, prices fluctuate and stuff like that. Um, other cards, um, in terms of value... Um, there's a creature type called Eldrazi. Um, they're all pretty expensive. Um, probably all around sort of like 30, 40 bucks a pop. Um, uh, one card at one stage, which was called Tarmogoyf, um, was just in a certain format called Modern, was just broken running shit and like was just... It was the most popular card, and yeah, you know, it's it's iconic for that reason now that it is, yeah, it it was a fucking absolute bomb. Um, another one at the moment is a track. It's called a Traxa Praetor, Praetor's Voice. 
um, and is the most played in the commander format is the most played card in that format at the moment. So, because yeah, there's cards that are iconic because they're iconic, like Chip and Dragon, um, or they're iconic because they're powerful and worth a buck ton, like Black Lotus. Um, but yeah, the list goes on. I mean, there's a card called Stasis, which like is cheap. It's not good. Just the artwork on it is fucking ridiculous. Um, if your little things work in Reese, where you can pull that up, mm. if you type in MTG Stasis, um, yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb artwork, but it's iconic for that reason. Yeah, it's kind of spooky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like there's the meme of um. What's the thing in The Simpsons, like, where it's Luann and fucking... What's Milhouse's dad's name? Uh, Kirk. Kirk, yeah. It's like Kirk and Luann, yeah. and they're doing, like, the fucking fiction or whatever. Kirk Van Houten. It's like, it's dignity, Luann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's, like, a meme about stasis artwork where it's like, it's stasis, Luann. <laughs> but, like, like, yeah, stasis, it's worth, like, 12 bucks, but it's just, like, iconic because the artwork's so stupid on it. Mm. So, just going back to kind of the beginning of this conversation, we we're talking about like when you're playing Magic: The Gathering, your your role playing as a character in Magic: The Gathering, effectively, are you able to sort of talk to how the narrative of the universe does actually tie into the gameplay and how that sort of interacts with third party properties like something like Warhammer or you know Doctor Who? The, the, like the universe is beyond stuff that pretty much said like it's in the magic together universe but it's not in the same like realm of possibility i guess so like you're not going to open up a pack of cards and be like oh cool like it's fucking this guy from what it's i've got a space marine like what the fuck um that's always going to be separate um in terms of like, the story each set revolves around a certain story on that plane. Um, and sort of, you know, it's it's different characters and sort of how their lives interact, like typical fantasy, whatever. Um, but every couple of years, they'll do sort of like this big, like, combination of all these stories. Um, and that's just happened now, actually, where this story was, like, built up probably for, like, from almost the start of Magic, um, this story was, like, built up on the plane of Dominaria, um, and it was, like, the humans of Dominaria, or, the, you know, the allied good people of Dominaria versus this group, the, the Phyrexians, and they're evil. Um, and this is, like, original Magic the Gathering story. And, like, from there, it's it goes on, and things happen. But, like, now they've actually just had this, like, big culmination of all these things of, like, sets that were, you know, even from, like, five years ago, the groundwork gets laid for something that's going to pop up three years later in a set, and you're like, oh, that's why that happened. Um, in terms of gameplay, it's really on the card, the artwork on the card that's printed. Some cards you get, um, it's called Story Spotlight, um, where the artwork on the card depicts something that happens in the story, and the card might do something that relates to the story, but the story is very much... You have the story of Magic the Gathering and you have the card game. They go side by side, but one's not really affecting the other. Um, the story doesn't affect gameplay, and gameplay doesn't really affect the story either. 
it's, it's really only the setting. It's like if they do, yeah, the next set that's coming out is set on the plane of Eldraine, and it's like a, it's like a fairy tale sort of like a, a Brothers Grimm esque set. Um, but then you have like a, a, a plane like Ixalan, which is vampire conquistadors and dinosaurs. Okay, so... so it's like it's very different things go on. Yeah, it's it's literally the cards like a vampire card and a dinosaur card or like a fairy card. That's really the idea. It's a fundamental when you're playing it. Then the 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 setting and the characters are really kind of irrelevant. It's it's more or less just the the hit or the buff points on the card that matter. Yeah, more or less. Um, it's the art. I mean, arguably the artwork's going to be different from a fairy to a dinosaur. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game. You can play, you could play a deck that is like, cool, this is my tri- like, tribal deck, this is my fight, my fairy tribal deck from this set, but it's not going to be as good as, oh, this is just my good stuff from this set deck. Okay. Okay, cool. So, are you able to explain the game modes? Now, we've been talking about Commander, um, and I was sort of alluding to before that my cousin... I think he said he spent something like $10,000 on his commander deck. And like at the time, I was kind of grateful that at least he wasn't spending the money on drugs. But an hour into this conversation, <laughs> I'm still not convinced that drugs wouldn't have been a better investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what are the different game modes? So what what is, a, what is commander mode? What does that mean? So it's really just... A, it's a different format by the game. Um, it still functions the same. Um, for Commander, you have 99 cards of land, spells, creatures, enchantments, whatever. Um, but then you have one card who is your Commander. Um, and your Commander, like I was showing before... Sorry, I've got to find him. Your Commander has to be a... Legendary creature, like Kinnan here. So he's a legendary creature. So he's my commander. And because he casts for... Well, his casting cost is blue and green. My deck can only have blue, green, and colorless cards in there. And, so and I can order, only have one copy of each card. And so in order for him to cast, you need to have a blue and a green land card out as well that you have to activate. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so it's all singleton. So the idea is that you have more cards, you have more variety of cards, but it's sort of you only have one copy of each card. So other formats like standard or like modern or vintage and legacy, they're all 60-card formats, and you can have four copies of each card besides non-basic land. So um, in those formats, they'll be like the metagame of just the best cards, the best decks, and you'll see a lot of that. They just dominate those formats sort of at any level. Um so Commander tries to be very different. That is that you're, you're not going to get consistent draws. Um, you do have to make sort of better plays. Um, there's more There's more cards to draw, so you're not always going to draw the answer that you need as opposed to like standard where you could look at it and be like, cool, like I'll, you can do quick math and think like, well, cool, I've probably got 40 cards left in my deck. I haven't drawn that card yet, so I've got a 1 in 10 chance. Yeah, and yeah. as you go through the deck, the chances get better and better as opposed to Commander where it's like, I haven't seen that card and there's 80 cards left in my deck. It's in there somewhere. And it's probably on the bottom. If it's a commander game I've played, it's always on the bottom. So that's the main difference. Um, there's a few other like singleton formats that 
two different things um, in terms of there's one that's pretty popular called Pauper, um, where you can only use common um, rarity of cards. That's probably something I should have explained as well before, actually. But we can get into later because I actually have a pack that we can crack. Um, but so you have you common, uncommon, rare, and mythic rare cards. And generally, the. Well, not necessarily the. There's also a format, actually, it's probably a good time to consider we're talking about it. Um, so magic's not just like the deck building side of it, is that, like, cool, I'll buy a whole bunch of cards and put them together and it works. They have um, certain formats where you can actually draft. So you would get a booster like this. This is the wrong type, but you would get a draft booster that would have 15 cards in it. You'd have a group of people sitting around a table. You'd open the pack, take one card, you draft one card from it, you put that into your pile, and then you pass the card to the left. But then everyone in the circle does that. Everyone in the group does that. So then you, you're, you're drafting a deck from random packs. Um, so the idea is that you're not going to get all powerful cards, um, and that's where the, the rarity comes into it, is that each pack has a rare or mythic rare, and the rest are commons and uncommons. Um, so you're, you're working out at the table of like who's taking what, like what cards can you get, like is colours open... Um, and then you build a deck based on that instead of just buying four of the best card and fucking cramming it into a deck. Hmm. So, is it is something like the commander? Is that what you know? Is that what we would describe as the more hardcore version of Magic: The Gathering? It's definitely more popular. Hardcore, probably as well. Um, you'd probably find a lot more people like higher end play. Commander. Um, for some like hardcore formats, like for even like modern, where it's still like sixty cards, there's still a lot of fucking money in that, and a lot of power in that. Um, but there's probably the community's more focused around Commander. Um, it's probably yeah. I mean, for any format, there's that like hardcore level of it. As a there's definitely yeah, like a high end and low end in terms of like power and what people spend on it um they have for commander um originally it was called elder dragon highlander which they call edh um there is also c edh which is competitive elder dragon highlander um fun fact about commander commander was never like an official like wizards of the coast recognized format um but it was actually made by judges that like were judging a you know Magic the Gathering tournament were bored in their downtime and they came up with this commander format and the rules for it. Um, and yeah, like when I started playing Magic, it wasn't a supported format. It wasn't a thing at all. Um, we we played it and it was just you know you had to fend for yourself. Um, but then eventually, like Wizards came out with you know commander decks and stuff like that because they realised people wanted it and they could make money. So why wouldn't they? Um, but yeah, Commander is probably definitely one that you see a lot more sort of like hardcore players and people with like nice cards and expensive cards in. I mean, you see that in modern, but it's less people play modern compared to Commander. So, so how how's the community then changed over the years? So you, you mentioned you know Commander was something that was grassroots. It was not this was not something that was created by the company. It was created by you know, judges or ultra fans of the game. Yeah. So how has the community evolved? over even just the last 10 years that you've been playing? I think it's 
I don't know, there's been definitely a lot more cool people in my mind playing fucking Magic. Um, I mean, like Post Malone, that's a pretty big endorsement. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty weird, because, like, Magic, like, it was, like, I had a big group, like, play group of friends from high school, and we played and stuff like that. But, like, it was, I don't know, it was always sort of like, you're like, oh, it's Magic, you're playing card games. It was, like, always, you know, you're like, oh, you're that fucking guy from high school. Like, <laughs> yes. I went and studied the war, and you're playing with fucking cardboard. Um, but yeah, I think a lot more now. The biggest difference is that, like, it just seems like way more accepted. Not even like it wasn't accepted before, but it's way more normal to sort of like have a conversation with someone and be like, oh, cool, like, you play Magic. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, good for you. Um, I think the biggest change probably was, like, when Post Malone, it's a few years ago now, he was on a. Um, a YouTube show that plays Commander, and then they, they announced it. Everyone was like, "Holy fuck!" Like, like what's that scene? Like one of us, one of us, one of, like that was yeah, everyone was yeah. fucking like post one. I mean, post did wonders for his career as well because there's a lot of fucking nerds sitting out there that all of a sudden start listening post Malone as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think it, like that has been good. I think the downside is that I mean, it could just be the way that the world's changing, like social media. But like anything these days, there's some fucking controversy going on, um, and you're going to have a, a group of people that want to complain that there's too many sets and that wizards are trying to take my money. Um, that's a fucking interesting sentence that I've never said before. <laughs> wizards are trying to take my money. Um, but yeah, I think the community has changed. I think it's been for the better. Like it's definitely more. I mean, even then, like when I played, you could find shit on YouTube, but like it, there wasn't much. Um, where now, you know, there's a thousand different YouTube channels. I mean, like, even Paul, who doesn't play Magic, knows about, like, Alpha Investments. Like, he's seen it before and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's changed for the better and that, you know, there is more... You see it more around and see people... I mean, like, JB sells Magic cards now. Yeah. Like, I used to have to... We used to have to go in the city to buy Magic cards to go to a fucking Magic shop. Um, where now you can just walk into sort of any EV games or JB Hi-Fi and have cards. So... To put it in perspective, when I played, we had to go to a shop, and it was called the Dungeon of Magic. And it was, like, downstairs in the basement of fucking, like, Victoria or Melbourne Mall, whatever it is. And it's, like, a painted brickwork on the wall, like you were walking into fucking 1996 playing Dungeons & Dragons. Where now it's just, like, you know, card shops are, like, nice as fuck now, like, have cafes in it and shit. So, it's definitely changed for the better. Um... Still nerdy as fuck, though, I guess. So, that's good. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Well, last question before we get to the um, we get to the the highlight of this episode, which is you opening up a pack in front of us, which are more, which I'm, I'm we're okay. all we're all titillated to see how that how that goes. Um, but before we do that, uh, what advice would you have for someone that uh, wants to start playing Magic the Gathering tomorrow? Yeah, just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, as much as we talk about cards with value and stuff like that, it's not super expensive to get into, like, at all. Um, most sort of, like, starter decks, even, like, some older decks, you can probably pick up for 50 bucks or less. Um, yeah. There's, and there's, like, an abundance of resources now of, like, sites dedicated to, like, building decks, YouTube channels dedicated to it. Like, you can find anything now. Um, where, like, that didn't exist when I started playing. Um, yeah, it's... 
if you if for anyone, I mean, like you guys, anyone, if you know, if someone's listening and thinks, oh, I can go do that. That was entertaining. Just do it. It's you know, it's not something that has to be a huge money sink. You know, if you've got friends that are interested, look at picking up starter decks. You know, work out. When we started playing, um, we sort of made rules amongst ourselves that you know we weren't going to go out and spend fucking hundreds of dollars and just beat each other up with better cards. Um, <laughs> sort of like we're going to keep a lid on it. You know, because that would be, you know, I'm very much the type of person that I can just buy, oh, fuck you, I'll spend more money than you and I'll win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we were sort of like, oh, we'll keep it on the level. Like if one person's sort of doing way better than the other, um, that's when we can sort of, you know, pull your head in. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of, it's one of those things like find a group, find a store, you know, if there's events, fucking do it. I mean, realistically, it's good fun. Um, yeah, and once you start buying Magic the Gathering cards, you can't afford drugs. Um, so <laughs> it's probably better for you as well. But um, no, I, yeah, that's pretty much just, just fucking do it. Like, I mean, like researcher. I mean, if, if you ever think about it, watch like, you can just search Magic the Gathering on YouTube and there's going to be gameplay videos. Just watch some trailers and see what's up. Like, that's pretty much fucking it. Well, awesome, mate. Well, thank you. Um, well, would you like to open or up these cards? And magic now or what? Let, yeah, let's see what let's see what you got. Maybe you got a black horse. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Press Malone would be uh, Press Malone would be massively pissed off if you did. I'm sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, for instance, yeah, sure. you get a fancy little art card. That's cool. This is this is that is Ragavan. It's a shape with glasses or. No, he's, a, he's a little monkey. Mm. Oh, okay. It's not focusing very well, but he's, yeah, little goggles. So, in these packs as well, you get one foil, and the foil is a rugged high lens, which is a land. Alright, so, this is probably not going to work. That little symbol there, so if it's black, it's a common. So, you get a whole bunch of commons. I'm not going to read out the names because they're backwards. So, in this pack, there is. Actually, that is. Oh, so there's two commons. An uncommon. So, when I say about the story spotlight, this is not very exciting. But I don't even know if you can see it. At the very bottom there, story spotlight. My fucking face goes away. <laughs> Anyways, it says it just there. Well, I think it is. Yeah, put the bird. Um, and pretty much that card, Elspeth Smite, um, is just something that happens in the story, and they put it onto a card, and that's pretty good, isn't it? Mm, that is. Um, now another fun part of it is these actually there is double faced cards. Mm. So on one side it is a captive weird, and on the other side it is a completed conjurer. Um, We've done double face side cards before. Um, they did it in one of my favourite sets. Uh, it's called Innistrad. And this was like a sort of gaslight werewolf, you know, versus Swamp Man set. It was, you know, vampires, werewolves. And they had a mechanic with werewolves that they had a day side, which is their human form, and they had a night side, which was their werewolf form. And they could switch between the two. Um, for this set, it is things that are getting, like, completed. Um, which is them being like stripped of flesh and being turned into fucking robots and what, you know. Um, so that's what he's, this sort of weird dude, and then he's 
a robot weird dude. Um, then we have Battles. So Battles are a new card that is sideways, that does a thing, and also has another side to it. But the next card is a rare card. So buddy, this is the worst cracker pack ever. So the rare card is, this is one of them, it is Bright Palm Soul Awakener. So this card actually is from the pre the pre-constructed commander decks that you can buy from anywhere. They're like sixty bucks. Um, so that can be a commander. So even though I mean, you could buy this pack and go, "Oh, that's cool. That's that commander," and then build that deck without having to buy the pre-constructed. It yeah, is what it is. Um, the next card is Yoren Sky Nomad. So it is full art, as you can see, because it's full art. Um, they do sets in sets now. They do something called a bonus sheet where they'll do reprints of old cards, you know, in a certain art style or something like that. And that's what that is. Um, and then the next card is I don't a Rixmi, a slumbering isle. Um, and again, that's one of the bonus cards with like a. It's from, like, the Greek mythology set, so it's meant to be, like, a constellation on there. And he's a big boy. He's a 12. 12. Oh. And I don't actually know. There's another card. And it is Croxa and Kronosis. Um, this is, again, from, like, that Greek mythology set. It is a three-headed dog um, and a giant yeah, so angry item. Yeah, for that. Um... Yeah, like for that thing, like that's like Cerberus, right? Like based off of Cerberus, yes. I guess. Yeah. 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 And then there's another foil in there as well, which is one of those double-sided cards too. Hmm. Yeah, the um, the Theros set was like Greek mythology. So yeah, it's meant to be like Cerebus and they had, um, they had a few other like references to different like Greek mythology heroes and stuff like that. But then they had all the Titans as well, who were Croxer is meant to be the Titan of the Underworld. But they had gods as well, where it's meant to be, you know, Poseidon um, and like Hades and stuff like that as well. Pretty cool set. Well, like Greek mythology, so it was good fun. But so yeah, that's a pack, um, and that was I think cool. nine dollars, um, and it's probably less than nine dollars value out of it. But that's the fun of cracking packs. Mm. <laughs> is that you end up with the whole, you know, it's yeah. Um, but that's it. So I mean, like you could. In theory, you could buy a couple of these packs and build a deck out of cards in here. It's not going to be the best, but, I mean, you can, like, sit around with your friends, split a booster box of 36 yeah, packs yeah. and build some shit, so... Hmm. No, awesome. That's, yeah. Thank you, Sam. I mean, Paul, Matt, do you have any questions for Sam? No, I think that's really cool. Um, I actually have an understanding of it now. <laughs> I still want to see played, so I can kind of figure it out. But um, no, you've, you've put it up really well. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. Maybe and we could do a, a, maybe we could do like an offshoot, and I'll I'll record I'll record us playing around my table with Sam, and he could bring his cards, and he could show us that we'll do it as like an extension to this episode. With some whiskey, of course. But, oh, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know if I've sort of like. Overdone it or underdone it, it'll just sort of rambled on for the last couple of oh, hours about magic. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like it's it started off with something that I sort of yeah I played like I I should have fucking told this story earlier. But 
I was at my mate's house. He had a card sitting on his like table or whatever, and I was like, "The fuck is that? Like, what are you doing?" Like, and um, yeah, he told me about it and was like, "Hey, my friend works at EB Games. Go down there and she'll sell you some shit." I'm like, All right, cool. I did that and then got my friends into it, and then other friends from high school they already played. So like, we used to we used to sit like in like my mate actually had a fucking basement which is like super fucking weird like where who the fuck in australia has a basement right you have this basement and we play magic we'll play around a fucking like a ping pong table on like because they do friday night magic where you go to your card shop you play magic on friday night so we do it at his house and there'd be like eight ten of us there sitting around till like one two in the morning playing fucking magic all night um so it was always just like magic, magic, magic. And then so I got in of it and like out of it and stuff like that. And then um, one day it was at a different mate's house I used to play with. And we were just like, fuck, do you want to play Magic the Gathering? We're like, yeah, cool. Went out and like bought some shit and then just, it went from there. And then, um, yeah, guys I work with now, they play Magic the Gathering as well. And fucking that's it. Now it's just, you know, a money sink to see if I can beat them or not. So... <laughs> But it's, yeah, like, that's, is it, you know, it's, you can play with a massive group or, like, now, there's two guys I play with regularly and then, you know, a couple guys every now and again. Yeah, and sort of going to a fucking card shop on a Friday night or a Saturday or something like that. Oh, awesome. But, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how it starts and that's all, it, you know, it is, so. Uh, Paul, do you have any, any closing questions? Uh, yeah, so, two questions, I guess, actually, and, um, uh, for the first question, I guess, yeah, like for like Sam, like you sort of like um, had that done, I think, uh, oh geez, back like during like the third or fourth part of this question. Um, so in poker today, actually, a um, some bloke died and his name was Doyle Brunson and he was like, um, and yeah, for him, like he's like sort of considered like the grandfather of poker. And um, But one thing about him is that he played very well for so long, but if he played today in certain games and stuff, like there was like certain games where he could enter in and stuff like cash games, he'd do all right. But as far as playing a tournament, his play style that he sort of did, it works well back when he was young, but if he tried to use the same play style, it probably wouldn't work so well. In this card game, um, through like certain years, has there been changes to play styles? Like, so say, for example, play styles that were hot in the 2000s, could they actually, like, do the same now or or not really? No, it, it does change. Um, generally, like, you see trends. So, like, at the moment, if, like, red, black's really strong, they'll tone that down over the next couple of sets. So you see trends, but it's literally just the cards they print. Um, they're sort of in this weird sort of, like, tug, and war, tug of war between, like, balancing sets that once it's printed without banning a card they can't really like errata or anything um so in terms of play styles there's definitely decks that like and people that want to play more aggressively than you know slow decks and stuff like that but if a if a format's definitely dominated by sort of one archetype that plays a certain way over time they will sort of just filter that sort of style out and then something new will come in and then something new on top it's like just dropping fucking plus fours in uno just again and again and again um but yeah it's definitely a lot of players that you know would play a certain way at a certain time arguably probably did better at certain times um because of certain cards that were printed certain play styles and stuff like that so most sort of Magic the Gathering players now um, definitely try to sort of, you know, you for sort of tournaments, they'll spend, you know, months preparing for a tournament of, like, what decks are going to be good and, like, 
most of them as well will have been teams um, that, yeah, if it's, there's a, like, brand, like, website, shop, whatever, that's um, Channel Fireball, so that's one of the teams that's Team Channel Fireball, um, that they will spend, yeah, like, months testing and collecting information of what cards are going to be good and who's playing what and what works against this, and if someone plays that, what do we do for this, and, like, finding out the, you know, the absolute mean of, of decks and average of deck of, like, what would be the best for it. If that's answered the question, if not, I can ramble on. Yeah, 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 no. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah, for this one and stuff, yeah. like the second question is, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, like, for, like, the second question as well and stuff, um, for the card franchise, do you think that if they brought out, like, a TV show based around, like, things that they've actually made inside that, do you think that that would sell well? Or do you think that the fact that this franchise, um, like, for it, because it's, like, only set in cards people who actually play the game, they would sort of prefer to keep it there so that they sort of don't have it being put into, like, a different type of media because then all of a sudden if, like, when things are taken from, like, one certain thing to a media to a uh, um, certain type as far as TV where more people can see it and they don't have to get invested, then they feel as if though the franchise is not a part of the cards but rather what's shown in TV. Do you think most fans would like that or...? Oh, um... Yeah, I, I they've, for a while they said that they were going to do like a Netflix series of it, um, and they haven't yet, and like no one's really heard anything about it. I don't think it would be very well received, to be honest. I think, I mean, I'm a big believer of like any content is good content. You know, if they did video, you know, a TV show, whether it, you know, animated, live action, whatever, it'd be cool. Um, there'd be people that wouldn't really like it, um, but. It, it's one of those things. It's the same as, like, um, uh, was it called Arcane? Was, like, the League of Legends TV show, I think it was. Um, like, that probably was well-received with some people and not with others. Um, it'd be cool, but it, it'd be fucking hard to do. Um, I think because of a lot of the characters' identity, like, it's outside of, like, looking at a picture or, like, reading a story about them, it's a lot of, sort of, your own, sort of, imagination and your own creativity of, you know... It's kind of how that character would, like, sound and act and look and stuff like that, um, where I think sort of people wouldn't really like it if that character wasn't the way that they thought that character was. I mean, that's definitely a problem in most, like, pop culture things these days. Um, yeah. I think, I think again, it would probably be that 49.9 versus that 50.1. Um, okay. I think it'd be cool. It'd be fucking hard to do, and people are going to complain. But, yeah, it'd be cool, but it would sort of, in my mind, it would take away from sort of the the uniqueness of this world that's sort of built around a piece of fucking cardboard, realistically. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, no, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on tonight, Sam, for talking us through this. Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah no, that, that was right. awesome. Man. That was like a solid hour and a bit. Dude. That was really impressive. Thank you. you, you, you yeah, no, I've got more in me, trust oh, me. We'll, 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 we'll come back, we'll come back, <laughs> back to the gathering. I'm sure we've got some more. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a follow-up episode. Because I really yeah, want to sort of, I, I really want to get you and my cousin on this so I can kind of see what, how much two fans of Magic the Gathering also hate Magic the Gathering because I've got a suspicion that the dick measuring in this um, this hobby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would be a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah, he made some comment the other day about yeah. uh, paraphrasing but sort of like fuck wizards is the case where I'm very much on the other side of it. So 
It'd be, it's definitely some kind of like science experiment. I like put two of them in the room and sort of see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because like, if there's anything that's you know, you ever look at like Star Wars fans. There's no one, no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. I'm sure Magic oh, yeah, the Gathering <laughs> would be yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. But it's like I said, like, I, if any, any content's good content, and whether it's new cards coming out, it's, it's cool. If, even though I get a fucking bike, go fucking jump up and down outside or something. Do something, yeah. but, Thanks, Sam. Yeah. So, um, I, I might just I might just start wrapping up then. Um, uh, so I think what we'll probably look at doing next week's topic will be on AI. Um, and I think we'll look at doing it on next Monday at the same time slot. But then we'll try to move back to the Sundays after that. Uh, so yeah, I'll have some more information about next week's one coming out soon. Um, but yeah, if, if you've enjoyed tonight's episode, um, these are all now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I'd strongly recommend subscribing and downloading those. But yeah, I just want to yeah, thank everyone again for coming tonight, especially Sam for this episode. Does anyone have any closing comments? Um, can we get... I know this is my first time on here, so I can't really make demands. Do we have some kind of like outro music, Brady Bunch style, a sort of all our heads popping up? Yes, I have actually been. I have actually been looking at the outro stuff, Sam. So I am. I am working on that one. Oh, but yeah. um, I, I, I definitely did like the idea of the Brady Bunch thing. But I, what I really wanted to try to do was sort of set it up so there was like an implied sexual tension between all the squares. Um, oh, okay. what the fuck yeah. did you do that? <laughs> 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 what the fuck is this? <laughs> So, yeah, I think I'm definitely at the point where I can start making demands for this podcast. So, especially if I'm on next week, I'm going to make some real fucking demands. So, awesome. Thanks. Uh, Paul, any closing comments? No, no, no. I'm fine. I um, had fun actually uh, hearing about this topic before and stuff. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thanks, man. And Matt? Uh, it was great. I, uh, I, I also he's just fucking blown away. He's just overloaded on fucking magic the other end right now. <laughs> No, well, yeah, it was good. Awesome, Matt. Well, we won't we won't keep you from Zelda for too much longer. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome, guys. Thanks everyone for coming tonight. Um, yeah, and look forward to hopefully seeing you all again next week. I'll 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 close this down now. Thanks, guys. Yeah.